Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi. Welcome to Finders Grievers, a happy-ish podcast about sad things. I'm your host, Shohana Sharman. This week, I am sitting down with writer, podcaster, and YouTuber Trevor Pullman. Trevor created the Belief It or Not podcast in 2018 and started doing video essays on YouTube in 2020. He wrote and directed two critically acclaimed plays at the Toronto Fringe Festival and has also created several web series. So, without further ado, let's meet Trevor. Hi, how's it going? Pretty great. How are you? I'm doing all right. Um, we've never officially met before. Hi, I'm Johanna. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Trevor. <laughs> nice to nice to meet you in this weird um, weird setup. Yeah. Well, welcome to Finders Grievers. Uh, this you. is a podcast about grief. It's we're ta- we talk about sad things, but we try to do it in a happy way. Not always. Sometimes it's just sad, and that's fine, too. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, so I'd love to know uh, what, I mean, like, what brought you to a podcast about grief? Uh, yeah, I, I've dealt with uh, lots of grief. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I lost my mom when I was 21. Um, I lost my dad a year and a half ago. And um, I lost a close friend uh, to swine flu in 2008. That's that's a lot packed into feels like not that long a time. Yeah. <laughs> Is it I mean, I don't know if you can compare the experience, but like what has been your experience like? Yeah, I mean it's kind of different for each one. Like with uh with my mom, like I was very religious at the time and I really held on to that and that was kind of that was kind of a, a comfort, I guess. Um it was also like I mean, it, it was devastating, but it was also kind of a long time coming. So that was that was kind of, um, you know, you you were expecting it, and you, you know, building up to it and stuff like that. And it was still, it was still awful. And I think I was, yeah, I was going to say I was sad for a long time, but it's not like that ever goes away. But <laughs> and then with my friend, it was just sudden. Like it was, um, he was sick. He went to the hospital. And then he got pneumonia, and then like just during like a routine routine operation, he he just passed away on the table. So mm-hmm. that was like just a shock. Like it was just so unexpected, and I didn't like I was just so lost. And then with my dad, it was also like he had cancer, but it was a very short turnaround from when he was diagnosed to when he passed away. So it, that was also like a very different experience. And at that point, I 
did, I wasn't religious anymore. So I had to, you know, find a new way, I guess, to, <laughs> to deal with it. So yeah, it's very, yeah, each one was kind of different. Yeah. And is the non-religious way what brought you into doing the, you know, talking about grief on your, on your YouTube channel? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I had just seen too many kind of cliche things that are supposed to help you when it comes to grief. And I just wanted to reach out to people who don't buy into that stuff anymore, but also are trying to, to process loss and things like that. So, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, it's what your experience is making me think of like compounding grief, I think is, uh, something we talk about a little bit, but yeah, I think it's like, it's such a strange way to get into it where like each time it happens, each time you lose someone, it, it feels like the same four strings of a guitar, but just like played at different times or played at different rhythm. I don't know. I, I don't play guitar, but just like, <laughs> it's like the same song, but played a little bit differently each time. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. That's a really good way to put it. And I, I found that my experience of grief changed a lot during the pandemic how did the pandemic affect your experience? Yeah, it was uh, it was weird because, yeah, my life changed so much within the pandemic. And um, and I was like in the early stages of grief, trying to work things through. And then all of a sudden, like, I mean, a lot of people, they lost their jobs. But for me, it was kind of the opposite where now I was having to work like, you know, 60, 80 hours a week. And so and I'm super busy, super crazy busy and and this is always in the back of my mind. And it's like, I don't know, my, like, I, I cut off ties with my therapist, because I was like, I don't know what my, my financial situation is going to be, I don't know what time I'm going to have available. So I'm just going to put this off for a while. And plus, we did a, a zoom chat, and it felt weird. So I was like, ah, so I didn't have that support anymore. And then you can't just like, go grab a beer and talk with your friends. So it's like, I don't know, there was just, yeah, it, it was, a very strange experience to to be just alone too after <laughs> after something so big and then just to have to you come home and you just sit with it <laughs> you know so did you lose your uh father before the pandemic or at the start of the pandemic uh before uh december of uh, 2019 yeah so when there was like rumors <laughs> you know it's just i mean there's obviously no good time to go through this but it, the a year and a half sitting at home alone, stewing and thinking about stuff really does feel like the worst time. Yeah. With this. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then, and then uh, halfway through the year, I was unemployed and then that's a different <laughs> situation. So I went from being crazy busy and, you know, not being able to cope with it in, in certain ways and then just being unemployed for a few months where it was, yeah, just quiet all of a sudden. So it, yeah, very, very different. So I'd love to learn a little bit more about, um, I guess, I don't know, because we're talking about multiple people. It's like, mm -hmm. I want to learn a little bit more about the people. Yeah. I mean, with, yeah, I had such a great relationship with my parents, um, with my mom. Yeah, it was, it was different with my mom and, and with my dad. But like with my mom, um, she was just a, a very kind, mostly soft-spoken person until, you know, you lit a fire under her and then she wasn't a soft-spoken person. But uh, for the most part, just like just a really kind person that everybody loved, like just everybody gravitated to her. And she was just like, you know, one of those nice church ladies. <laughs> but like she, you know, she volunteered all the time to do things and 
help people and she was like a crafty lady and an artsy lady and um that's where you know i think i got a lot of my artistic <laughs> kind of drive was from her and it's funny i wrote a play years ago about quantum leap <laughs> do you remember that show quantum leap <laughs> i've heard of it I've, i will admit i've never seen it <laughs> okay it's a bad sci-fi uh show that i love but it was like created in the coke fueled 80s with just like weird time travel like <laughs> was, but that was our routine because i in grade 12 my um last period was off so like i have a lot of siblings so i would come home early and that was like me and my mom would just sit and watch quantum leap every day and that was kind of like our moment and like i don't know we just I, we just had a great relationship it wasn't you know this epic like <laughs> you know like yeah but it was yeah we just had a nice a nice relationship <laughs> are you and, the uh, youngest of your siblings i'm right in the middle so i have um uh an older sister, um, an older sibling, and then uh, two younger brothers. And then I also uh, have, now I have a stepbrother and stepsister. You mentioned that your mom was a bit of a church lady and that you used to be religious. Yeah, I went to Bible college. Um, so, and then I was a youth pastor for a while. How old were you? Um, when I was a youth pastor, I was 26 to 28. And then after that, I quit. And then it was a long kind of process of losing my faith, going from, you know, very like evangelical to very progressive to agnostic to then identifying as atheist. Yeah. I'm going to ask a not so smart question. Um, what exactly is Bible college? It's like, I don't know. I, I got like a bachelor's degree. It's like a bachelor of arts. Um, and it's you study a lot of like, yeah, just books in the Bible, but also just things about. Christian history, and then your basic, like, you know, uh, psychology and r random things like that. <laughs> Bible, Bible history and Bible junk. And I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And then at the end, I had a, a bachelor's in youth leadership. So, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um, did you like being a youth pastor? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not even a little bit. Of Not really. I thought I would love it. Um, I loved volunteering. But then when I actually got in there as the leader, I realized that my because I have like um, general anxiety, I couldn't handle like the pressure of like running a program while having loud teens running around. And <laughs> just it wasn't for me. <laughs> like as much as I wanted to be, you know, that that cool youth pastor guy it just wasn't wasn't for me. <laughs> You mentioned that you sort of moved away from religion. Was it at the end of the youth pastor job? Was there something that triggered it or? Well, I mean, I just had bad experiences at most of the churches I worked at. <laughs> and it was, so that made me walk away from church. Um, but I don't know if that's necessarily what made me lose my faith, but that's mm -hmm. kind of like the the starting point of, of me losing my faith. So, when your mom passed away, you were still in the in the church, in the religious sort of field. How did that affect your experience of grieving her? Yeah, you have this weird hope <laughs> that, that you're going to see each other again. And which now I realize that one of the issues with that is that the goodbye isn't completely there, <laughs> you know, and sometimes that that goodbye is helpful. And it, which is something I had to just do later 
but it did have that comfort of, you know, the whole family's going to be back together someday and it's going to be okay. And we're going to, you know, celebrate together. And yeah, eventually that just didn't bring the same comfort as I, I thought it would. So my family's very religious, but I, um, I'm not that religious. My mother was extremely religious, mm-hmm. but I think the question of the goodbye is, I think, I think I took the goodbye for granted in some ways because when I said goodbye, like in the hospital, it was like, well, this is what you have to do. But I think the way you're sort of saying of like the goodbye was left incomplete, it feels um, it feels heavy Yeah. <laughs> in some ways. Yeah. How did you – you said that you sort of worked through that goodbye later. How did that happen? Um, so every – so she, she passed away on July 31st in uh, 2002. Um, and every year I would make sure I had that day off after like a couple awful shifts (laughs) at different jobs. I was like, okay, I can't work on this day. So I was making sure I'd have that day off and I'd always just go for a walk and listen to music and just think, yeah, I just remember finding a nice bench, sitting down and just thinking about her and, uh, saying, I'm not going to do this anymore. (laughs) Like it it was just like, for me, ending that tradition was another way of saying goodbye. Like, okay, it's the next chapter. And um, so I still think about her every year on that date and well, every day, but, (laughs) but it's like, I don't have this like kind of routine thing I have every day, every, I used to have every year. And it was, yeah, that last one, it was, yeah, it was just, a nice somber way of saying, okay, I'm saying goodbye. Like I'm finally saying goodbye. And it was just a weird, it was a weird feeling, but it was kind of like a a relief as well. That's so, uh, (laughs) I'm smiling because I'm like, oh no, I'm doing. So I, I still take that my, my mom's, I don't, I never know what to call it. Death anniversary. My friend calls it a shit day. I still take that day off every year from work, even though I don't do anything. I just like stay in bed and like look at my phone. Yeah. But I always feel this need to be like, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to look at work emails. I don't need, I don't want to talk to friends. Like I don't need to be responsible to anyone for that day. Mm -hmm. But I'm now thinking about what you're saying of like this ritual that I'm like holding on to. Um, feels a bit feels weird i'm like oh no <laughs> well i book mother's day and now father's day off as well okay uh with mother's day it was because um one year when i worked at a coffee shop one customer said oh did you call your mom yet <laughs> and i was like oh well, i'm gonna call my stepmom after work and she goes oh you don't get along with your mom <laughs> what do I say to that? Like, what do I do? So I, I was like, I I don't want to deal with that. And then when I was a server, I was working at a place that served brunch on mother's day. I'm like, no, (laughs) no. (laughs) I was complaining about this earlier this year, but every year for mother's day, they do like, you know, every brand, every retailer in the world emails you like, buy a Mother's Day gift, like make sure you get your gift in on time, etc. Yeah. And every year I just kind of learned to be like, okay, Mother's Day is on Sunday. I know these emails are going to come on Wednesday, Thursday. Like I know, I know to ignore them on that day. Yeah. This year, all the corporates were like, oh, you thought we were going to email you on Mother's Day? 
you thought wrong. We're going to email you like two weeks ahead with Mother's Day week. And there were so many emails in my inbox about Mother's Day week. And I was like, I wasn't there yet. You know what I mean? Like I was going to get to that week and then I was going to mentally prepare and you caught me off guard and I'm really mad about it. (laughs) Um, They didn't do that for Father's Day, which is also annoying. Yeah. But yeah, I've started to build rituals around it. And I didn't even realize I was doing it where, you know, taking the day off. And the first couple of years after my mom died, I would I would try to do nice things on that day, whether it's like cook something that's nice or like go for a nice walk or something just like to try to calm myself. And now I don't do that as much. But there is this feeling of like, oh, you have to do something meaningful on that day. Yeah. And I'm trying to get away from that a little bit, but there is still part of me that's like, no, but that's the ritual. Like you have to, you have to do something because if you don't, if you do nothing, if you just exist, then it's like you don't care. And that's the worst thing. Yeah. Well, and it's funny too, because I always, um, every year I message my siblings on that day and now on, on the anniversary of of my dad passing, but um, I, I always word it in a way of like, how is everybody doing today? Like, I don't, I try not to bring up because I don't know how they deal with it. I don't know, like, if they hadn't thought about it, if they don't have that same significance when it comes to dates. I was actually talking to my sibling about this recently, and they were saying they just don't have that kind of same connection to dates as I do. But there's other things that that remind them and like make them think about about our parents and so but dates just never clicked as like a significant thing to them it's more like places or or like things that trigger certain memories so Hmm. yeah it's which was interesting to me because i just assumed everybody just associated dates and like the passing of time as the kind of markers but i i think i do the same where i uh, I remember every date. I was telling um, my friend earlier this week. So next week, it'll be five years since my mom was diagnosed, mm-hmm. which I can guarantee you no one else in my family remembers. But I remember the date because for me, I think just the way I experienced um, all of it, it felt like a very clear trajectory. Yeah. Or like, She's diagnosed. We know we get this bad news. We know what's coming next. And then you just kind of watch the downhill progression. And the only way to make sense of that progression is by like putting pins on it. And those pins are the dates of like, oh, well, on this day, she started chemo on this day. She started this, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I I'm very tied to all the different dates as well. And not to say that I'm not tied to the to the other things, you know, like if I pick up uh, if I I have some of her clothes and if I pick one of them up and like smell a dress she used to wear like that will trigger something for me too but I I didn't I I think I had to learn that not everyone cares about dates in that same way I mean yeah because I had a similar thing with my dad is he ate or drank McDonald's coffee every day that was like a thing and so when I was visiting at home I would always just give him the sticker And um, the last time I was home, which was like in January of 2020, I went to McDonald's with my brother and we had a, I had a coffee and then I pulled the sticker off and went to say, give this to dad. And then it was just like that moment of, oh, 
you know, <laughs> you just, those moments where you just, they, you know, there exist, <laughs> you can still pick the, pick up the phone and call them. And then you have that moment of like, oh no, they, I can't. It's those small things. My brother said that after my mom died, he had to go back to work right away. And he said that one of the hardest things in those first couple of days was that he kept wanting to pick up the phone to call her. Yeah, I mean, there are a million little things like that, again, that you just take for granted. I'm just going to call this person for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. You know? Were you close with your dad? Yeah, we were really close. We didn't always see eye to eye. <laughs> it wasn't that it was it was a very different relationship than me with my mom. Yeah, we never had any like huge, we're not talking to each other fights or anything like that. We would just have little disagreements and different ways of viewing the world. I have always been a very very into you know movies and tvs and i'm just like a, a tv shows and stuff and i'm just like a super nerd that way and he never liked any of that stuff and he he was always kind of embarrassed i think that i did that i was so into it and just i don't know if it was embarrassed or he just didn't see how to connect with me because we had such different inter like interests and stuff mm -hmm. and you know he was into fixing cars and you know building things and i'm you know not a not not <laughs> and so it was you know we just had to find other common grounds of things that we could talk about and, and interest and stuff and i think and I, we also both dealt with anxiety but handled it in different ways i remember probably a year before he passed away so before he even had his diagnosis he pulled me aside when I was visiting, probably for Christmas or something like that. And he, you could just tell it was something that had been burning on him. Like he just needed to talk about it. And he just apologized for not realizing my anxiety disorder earlier and not getting me the help I needed. And mm. um, it was just like such a sweet moment. And we would always have those like little <laughs> sweet moments. And and even like saying saying goodbye. You know, I went back home to, to visit him Um about a week before he died and we, I was just sitting like on the hospital bed and uh, we were talking and he was in, give me like, you know, his pieces of advice and wisdom and stuff like that. And, you know, I was saying goodbye and then I didn't want to leave, but we had said what we want to say. So we just started talking about finding deals and he started talking about uh, a website he found for I can get deals on like camera lenses and stuff. And it was just so sweet that like, cause he always loved just bargains and things like that. And it was just like, yeah, just like my last conversation with him really is about him looking for deals for me. <laughs> it's just like this sweet little thing that I will always kind of hold to like even more than just the advice and things like that, that he gave me. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. Where were you in life when, when he was diagnosed? I was already doing my podcast about like atheism and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And um, I was managing a restaurant. I was really busy and I moved into my apartment the day he died or the, like the day before. So I got the call at five in the morning. I was still, I hadn't unpacked anything. I was sleeping on a mattress in the floor. And like the day before, it was just this busy move that I, that I had planned for over a month. Cause like I didn't, like we thought, I, like when I signed the lease, we thought he had at least like six months, maybe a year. 
And so it was like, we were all kind of going forward with our plans, knowing that eventually this would happen. But then it just like in that month, everything just went downhill. So, I mean, obviously, again, there's no right time, but thinking that you have longer and then having it be cut off in that way, I imagine is quite difficult. Yeah, it was. And it's one of those things, too, because I was that week I was supposed to manage like I was the service manager, which is like you're in charge of, you know staff like hiring and um, discipline, things like that. But that week I was supposed to run the restaurant um, because my boss was on vacation. And she told me about three weeks before. And I was like, just so you know, this might happen (laughs) while you're gone. And she's like, okay, well, I'll get a contingency plan um, in place. And then like a couple days before she left, I was like, I don't think I'm going to be running the store. Like I just had this feeling, but it was still, yeah, it's just all this stuff adding up all of a sudden in a, in that short period of time. And I don't know, it's, it was a tougher way to deal with it in some ways for me, but it was also because it was so such a whirlwind thing. I think the grief is just feels so different. Like it, it does feel like I'm just even working through, The idea of losing him, which I kind of worked through before with my mom because it was it was a longer time. And then but with my dad, it's like even just the idea of like the possibility of losing him had to catch up with me, you know, (laughs) so. It was uh, like near your moving day. What do you remember from from that day after that phone call? It was very strange just being alone and I didn't go to work and and stuff like that and i also needed stuff for my apartment so i was like i guess i go shopping (laughs) i guess i do that so i just had the saddest shopping trip of my life buying like a shelf and stuff and (laughs) where did you go i went to walmart (laughs) and if you've never cried in the middle of a walmart (laughs) with like a cart full of stuff then i don't know if you've lived but (laughs) so yeah i don't know if that was the best idea i thought it would help at the time but not so much and then um yeah because with when my mom died i was with my family Mm -hmm. like constantly for the for like till the funeral and then after the funeral i was just with them and we did everything together and then when my friend died our friend group was just together like we all just went to our other friend's house and just stayed there for three days and just were there for each other and we made a like a tribute video for him so i was just working on that the whole time which actually i did for my dad too while i was mm-hmm. alone I, I okay i'm gonna make a tribute video for him that's the thing i can offer <laughs> and so so i did that uh but yeah but again that was alone where with then we were with my friends and the time before it was just surrounded by family so yeah such a different experience each time it's weird because it feels like, uh, well, the distraction of Walmart could help, but really it doesn't sound like maybe it's just too, too immediate or too right there. But yeah, I had a similar experience where a couple days after my mom passed away, my sister-in-law uh, needed to go to the mall to pick up a few things. And she was like, do you want to come with? And I was like, sure, I'm just going to sit here in the house thinking about terrible things otherwise might as well go and we went to the mall and as soon as i walked in i was like 
oh, this was a bad call because it's just, it's so surreal. I don't know if you feel that way, but I was kind of walking through this mall being like, no one else is having the worst day of their life. Yeah. And there was, um, I think it was like, we were at H&M and there was like really loud club music playing while I was thinking about my mom dying. (laughs) I was just like, this is awful. There were like kids running around, laughing, smiling. And I was just like, I I hate everything about this. <laughs> yeah, even well, the day after, yeah, uh, the day after my mom died. So me and my brothers and my dad, uh, we, you know, we had so many errands to run. Uh, one of my brothers didn't have a suit or wanted to get a suit for the funeral. So we decided to go to the mall that day too. But it's a small town. So everybody... Like, you know, most people. So everybody was asking how my mom was doing. Like you just ran, ran into like three or four people. Um, so I had to tell all these people. <laughs> it was like, well, this was a bad idea too. Yeah. yeah. You can't really send out a voice blast ahead of time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so you, you talked about how um, with your mom, there was this idea of like, there's hope and goodbye, but I, for my perspective, at least with atheism, maybe there that isn't the case when someone passes away. So I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. So maybe there isn't the same hope, but there's there's something um, hopeful about knowing like the impact that he had on me and he had on so many people. Like just people loved him, and there's something hopeful about the idea that we can pass on that same positivity and that same like kindness to other people and uh, we can impact their lives after we're gone. And so maybe we won't meet up in heaven, but things we do here and the way we touch other people's lives is hopeful. And I don't think we can discount that, you know, (laughs) as it's not like this grim thing of, Oh yeah, I don't know where I, what's going to happen after I die. So I'm just going to be sad. It's, it's like, okay, well, I don't know. <laughs> so while I'm here, I'm just going to try to have the best impact I can. And um, I talked to you about how when when there's a void after you lose somebody, it's because they 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 meant so much to you and they filled that that spot in your life. So that's that's hopeful too that you were lucky enough to have somebody that had such a strong impact on your life and. Yeah, and just looking at that and the memories that come with that. I mean, I'm still working on it. (laughs) (laughs) It's still a daily process, but it's it's something that keeps me going (laughs) and working on that and and working through that and, and just trying to keep that positive kind of life going and (laughs) I know you mentioned that you are um you know, you've sort of done theater and now you're working on um, this podcast. How did grief play into your work as as an artist? Yeah, I mean, so I wrote a play for the 2016 Fringe Festival called Myths and Coffee Cups. And it was about, yeah, it was just about a guy dealing with the loss of his dad. I didn't want to write about the loss of my mom because it was too raw. So it's like, this is a hypothetical thing, <laughs> not realizing that it would just be a few years. But um, 
yeah, so that's that whole play was about death and grieving and working through a lot of that stuff and coming to some of those same conclusions that that I came to with like the video um, that I made about grieving. Yeah, pretty much everything I've written has something to do with change and and loss, but trying to focus on, okay, I've lost, but what do I what have I gained and what can I do going forward kind of thing. My mom passed away four years ago and I think every piece of art I've made since then has had some can in some way be tied back to grief or loss or um okay so if you could go back in time what advice would you give yourself when you were grieving Ooh, oh boy (laughs) maybe that it's okay to not be strong Yeah, I think there, yeah, there was definitely times where I thought that I had to be the strong one in my family and I had to, to be the one to keep it together and be the peacekeeper and, and things like that. And it was okay for me to deal with it too. (laughs) What advice do you give others, um, going through loss right now? I mean, one of the things I always say is that my experiences isn't your experience. Like maybe I have a an idea of what you're going through, but I think everybody's grief process is different and that it's okay that it's different. It's okay if you handle things different. Like my brother has never cried at a funeral. You know, he's he barely cries in general and that's just not how he deals with grief. Uh, but me, I'm, I, I cry a lot. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and that's just how I deal with it. My sister gets awkward and makes bad jokes at, <laughs> at funerals because that's how she deals with it. And and so everybody kind of has their own way and it's okay to just explore your own way of how you're going to deal with it. And um, Last question. I think you kind of already answered it earlier, um, but how do you honor your loved one's memory now? Yeah, I guess like what I said, trying to <laughs> – trying to, take what they taught me and trying to use that to make me a better person and to help me to have an impact on other people. I don't know about any of you, but I feel like I really needed this reminder from Trevor. I always say I am my mother's daughter, but I don't always take the time to examine what that really means in the world day to day. And talking to Trevor made me realize that it means taking the best parts of my mom, her kindness, her generosity, her determination. It reminded me that it means carrying these qualities forward into the world every day as best as I can. I'll never be her, but I can try to be the next best thing. And that is strangely hopeful, right? That's all this week. Please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts to listen. And please rate and leave us a review. It really helps. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at FindersGrievers. And write to us at FindersGrievers at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. I'll see you in two weeks. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. <laughs>